Hi, I'm Paul Johnson. Thanks for listening to the podcast from Life Support. Addictions, just in general, and it, it, they, they can have such deep meaning. So uh, one of the common beliefs is that community and connection is what's missing, and that by connecting to, for example, a, a bottle or can of alcohol, you're seeking connection, but you're actually not connecting to anything at all. Those are the words of Amber Fuller, a therapist and owner of counseling clinics, as she describes the hell she had to go through with her family in order to find peace on the other side. Welcome to Life Support. Everything you do from then on is different. One of the detectives, I think his name was He was a golden boy. All we can do right now is come together. Extreme domestic violence, multiple rapes. This is Life Support, hosted by Pastor Paul Johnson from Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. My name is Steve Johnson, director of Five Stone Media, a co-sponsor of this program. And our goal, as always, is to use story to bring hope and healing. And now let's join the conversation with Pastor Paul. Hey, it's great to have you on Life Support, where we tell stories because we want you to find more of Christ in trauma and suffering and difficulties. And our very special guest is Amber Fuller. We talked with Amber last time. Last time, we're so glad she's here again. She's a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's also the owner and clinic director of Fuller Living. And Amber, thank you for being back. Appreciate it so much. Thanks for having me. We were talking about the difficult topic of sexual addiction. You shared briefly your story, you and your husband. After he disclosed his activity, you were able to work through that. And I'm really thrilled about that. You made a shocking statement that the statistics say 50% of the people in church might be struggling with some kind of a sexual addiction. Mm-hmm. So pastors, please don't assume that there's no one in your church that's struggling with this. Half is a lot. Yeah, it is. So, Amber, this whole idea of sexual addiction, um, we talked a little bit about shame and the difficulty of disclosing because of shame. But yet, the risk is always going to be there. When you step outside of God's boundaries, there are consequences, Mm -hmm. sometimes consequences that need to happen. But isn't it true that, yes, the consequences will be there, but the healing, that what comes after the consequences is so much richer than trying to hide, right? Yeah, yeah. I really believe that that's the life that the Lord desires for us to live and to be in that place where where you are burdened and heavy with shame and living a lifestyle filled with Uh, darkness and feeling like you can't get out is the opposite of freedom. And I believe that the Lord has built within us this innate desire to feel free. And so to come out with whatever it is that you're struggling with, not, not even sex addiction, whatever, whatever you're struggling with provides this freedom that can only be found in the Lord. And from a practical standpoint, I think what that freedom looks a lot like is community. I, I, I personally found that when, when we had disclosed that we were struggling with this, although it was difficult to disclose that to people, what you find and what I see time and time again with clients is that all of these mysterious people come out of the woodwork 
and person A leads you to person B because person B and their husbands struggled with this too. And so you, you're you filled then with this life of 10 to 20 people who are supporting you and what you're going through and not just in, not just in what you're going through with sex addiction, if it's that, but in all in all aspects of your life. And I, I believe that the Lord wants us to be doing life in community like that. He didn't design for us to do things alone. And that's what provides that. And, and also, I believe that if you're not disclosing your struggles, and if you're not being honest about who you are, if you're walking around performing and acting like you're perfect, the downside to that is that you're going to feel really lonely because you're not showing up to the party. Your your ideal perfect performance is showing up to the party and you're still stuck at home, metaphorically, yeah. lonely. And so to come out with who you are and what you're struggling with, that's where that's where that community and that's where that connection is found. Well, that's exhausting to... Yeah. Try to put that mask on all of the time. My and husband, you can't sustain it anyway. He says that so so often. He he's he makes comments like I I I was I'm so happy I am not that exhausted anymore. His life, yeah, his energy levels within the few weeks actually of disclosing things changed. I saw this this man who like had no energy to being this man who was taking walks and Well, he discovered that and this is a credit to you that he could still be loved. Yeah, yeah, he does. And that's isn't that the biggest fear in all of this? Is that if I tell you who I am, really who I am, that I may not be loved? Yeah, I I do think that that is the biggest fear in disclosing it. Is yeah, but if I tell you this one thing, then I'm gonna lose the very thing that matters to me, and. And I don't know that a, I don't know that a lot of women, for example, with this example, understand that. Like, they're not being told this secret that's in the closet because their husbands are trying to protect them from. They're protecting themselves too, but sure. their heart is like, I don't want to hurt you, and I don't want to lose you. the The whole problem with all of that is that you're you're already lost and you're already hurting the person you love and once you come out with that you get to experience that connection with your partner and with the person you love and that can go far deeper than uh any kind of pretending can go that's for sure yeah um so we live in a culture where we're all locked down we having real community now is a real struggle Mm -hmm. and i haven't we haven't met in our community group for probably six, seven months, you know. Mm. Um, we live in a culture where soft pornography is mainstreamed. Mm-hmm. Christians are watching shows that are basically shows with that kind of stuff in them. Given that this culture that we live in, given that we're isolated, how can a person protect themselves from falling into sexual addiction? Because it seems to me that any addiction comes out of this some kind of a desperation inside, something that we perceive as missing, trying to find life outside of what God can give us. And so it doesn't have to be sexual addiction. It can be any kind of addiction. And sometimes the addictions look really good on the outside. So how can I protect myself in this crazy time and in this crazy culture that we live in? Yeah, it's interesting because addictions, just in general, they, they can have such deep meaning. So 
Uh, one of the common beliefs is that community and connection is what's missing and that by connecting to, for example, a, a bottle or can of alcohol, you're seeking connection, but you're actually not connecting to anything at all. And it's, it's similar with, with sex addiction. We'll be back to the conversation with Paul and Amber Fuller in just a moment. You know, Pastor Paul is hosting this program from a unique perspective, a survivor himself of family trauma, losing a wife and a son. And that's what life support is all about, survivors in discussion with other survivors. My name is Steve Johnson, Executive Director of Five Stone Media, and we are so pleased to be a co-sponsor of this program. And for more about our work, log on to lifesupportresources.org. You're wanting to connect or people are wanting to connect with with somebody and with something, believing that they are, but they're not finding that connection, which just fuels more of trying to seek, seek diff, different or deeper, stronger pornographic material out because it's this empty, empty, non-delivering connection source and it it is that that connection that people are seeking and so to protect yourself from that i believe looks like reaching out to community again going like going back to community and the power of it and the importance of it it means reaching out to your community and i i know that like we're living in covid right now and we're socially distancing and trying to limit exposure but but there is the telephone and there is you can still take walks and, and yeah you, you can, can go still on go walks outside and, and, mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's there's lots so you of have different. to you have to invest in that you have to take those steps because you have, uh, you have to want it and but isn't that a problem I mean the guys that I've worked with you know all of them say they don't want to do this but a lot of them I think kind of do yeah. <laughs> And and it's it when you find the person who really really finds it in his heart where you know I know that I want to please God I want to come out of, of this I want to be pure I want to be free that's the person can get healed yeah but so many people aren't willing to it's like I don't want it but I kind of need it yeah and it doesn't work yeah it reminds me of exercise a little bit like it's hard to get to the gym. <laughs> But once you're at the gym and you're walking out of the gym from exercising, you feel great. And I saw that, too. I saw that with my husband. I don't really want to go to church tonight. I don't really want to build community tonight. I don't want to be around people tonight. But then once he was there, he was like, I couldn't I couldn't pull him out. I couldn't yeah. get him out of the building. So Because he was finding, finally, what he had been striving for. Yeah, and I, I think, too, that that's where, like, the devil tries to really play with people and mess with people. Like, no, nah, you don't want that. You don't have mm-hmm. the energy for that. You worked 12 hours. He worked crazy hours, too. His hours were, like, 16 hours a day. You don't have the energy for it. And, and it was interesting to then watch him show up at some community event and then see that actually not only did he have the energy for it, but now he has two hours worth of more energy. The devil does that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're really back in the garden when Satan got Adam and Eve to believe that what God was offering wasn't good enough and that they needed to find it on their own. And it's amazing how through all those thousands of years of human history, we haven't changed. We still have the same problem. Yeah. We want to believe that God really isn't quite as good as he says. So we better go out and figure this out on our own. 
Mm-hmm. How can I help a friend or my spouse if I if I'm just suspecting that something you said you said I knew something was wrong. Yeah. Something was off. Yeah. But if if a woman were to go to her husband or vice versa, the likely reaction is going to be, well, no, well, what? You're crazy. You're crazy. Yeah. So so what does a spouse do if there's a s- suspicion going on? Yeah. I I have been doing a lot of research and a lot of work around the idea of something called, and this is a little controversial too, but it's something- We're all about controversy <laughs> here. It's something called secondary abuse. And secondary abuse is said to happen, or the idea is that it is something that happens when um, a, a person at home- like a wife, for example, is being emotionally or mentally abused by their significant other. And that wife then goes to, it happens most commonly in two different places. It happens in the church and it happens in the therapist's office. So that's why I care about it is because these wives are being emotionally abused, which can't be proven. It's not physical. So therefore it doesn't matter as much, which is a complete lie. But they're, this is happening to them, and then they're going to a church leader or a therapist, and they're saying, this is happening to me, and and I, I don't know what to do. And the responsibility is then put on them again, like, oh, well, you're not doing this, and you should try mm-hmm. this, or maybe try changing this. And, and because of that, I really strongly believe that it's our responsibility as a church community to advocate for and partner with and team with uh, the person that comes to us and says to us, this is happening and I don't know what to do about it and take that responsibility and put it where it belongs, which is back on the person who has that behavior happening. So as a, as a member of the church community, if somebody comes to me and says, I've got this weird feeling that something is going on with my husband and you know, I found this on his computer or this person contacted me and said these really strange things and I don't know what to do. I I think that it's really important, again, to partner with them. And also, I believe that it's important to take our own, take, take our own guard down and also be vulnerable because I think that if we are presenting ourselves in a way that doesn't look perfect, then it allows for other people to feel like they can find safety and rest. Yeah, I, I think that that's 100% true. And I would also say that, you know, and I can only speak from a man's perspective, but have some guys in your life that maybe are further down the road than you are, at least a couple of trusted men that you can grab a coffee with, grab a lunch with. Um, Maybe you're just starting to realize in your own life that you're starting to walk the edge a little bit. Get, you know, have some guys you can go to and say, hey, you know, I need you to pray for me. You know, what can I do to to clean my act up? You know, it doesn't have to get that far. And, you know, the the Bible's here for a reason too. You know, the Bible says, guard your heart. Mm -hmm. Um, Immersing ourselves in scripture um, praying, you know, the, the old disciplines, um, it doesn't have to get to that point, but it does. Yeah. And so then there are people that say, listen, I'm so far in, I can't get out, but 
what you're saying is that God is good for no matter how deep you are. Yeah. There's hope. Yeah. Right. Always. And and I I can guarantee you that there are people listening right now that are walking around their homes going, "There's no hope." Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that for me just like breaks my I know. heart. And there and then there the thing that makes me the most angry about this is what we've been discovering in churches and the lack of attention to this issue. And like you said, the the women that have come forward and have been pushed back and have had their reputations ruined mm-hmm. and men that have been protected, yeah. serial abusers in churches that have been protected because, well, he wouldn't do that. Yeah. Or that would really hurt that church if that came out. That is nothing short of ungodly. Yeah. It is wrong. Yeah. God works in the light, not in the darkness. Yeah. And so I, I would hope that we can get better at this at least talking about it, at least listening to the person who comes forward. And and here's the other thing, Amber, and I, I'm not a trained therapist, although I did stay at a Holiday Inn last night. Um, <laughs> there are men in our congregations who are being verbally abused at home. And, and these poor guys, who do they talk to? Yeah. Because they're going to be looked at like, well, man up. Yeah. You know, so it's a tough deal. Yeah. It is. And that's where community comes in. And that's why we pastors are always talking about small groups, community mm-hmm. groups. you got to get in one of those because that's where these real-life things can come out. Yeah, and volunteering, too. Like Yeah, working together, the serving ch- together. The church that we go to, we were members of, like, years before all of this came out. And, and they push that. They strongly push that. Like, get into a community, get into a community, and volunteer. Well, when when we were in the thick of it, we— understood why and and the community part is maybe obvious why we understood that but the volunteering part is not so obvious and the reason that volunteering is so important when you're going through struggles at home is because you're gonna feel purpose and so that diagnosis of depression is decreasing those symptoms are are decreasing because you're out helping feeling purpose feeling value so volunteering in the parking lot is more than just volunteering in the parking lot. It's where you're going to feel purpose. Yeah, and you're rubbing shoulders with other believers, and you're getting to know them, and you don't even know you are, but yeah. you're developing really strong relationships. So we only have a few minutes left here, and uh, this is a topic that is really, really broad. Mm-hmm. But I just want to reiterate a couple statistics. Again, I can't let these go past, okay? Mm-hmm. 50% of people in churches— And I want people to hear that number. I want pastors to hear that number. Charles Spurgeon said, when you're preaching, there's people in those pews that, you know, you don't know what's going on in their lives, but they're they're right in front of you. Mm -hmm. 50%. Mm -hmm. If that's true, then we need to change how we do things in churches. Right? Yeah. Education and Mm -hmm. vulnerability from the top down and providing safety emotional safety emotional safety now again i want to say this to pastors and church leaders we're not advocating that you walk up in front of your congregation and tell them the deep dark secrets of your life but what we are saying is be just be a real person yeah right and you know there are elder qualifications there you know, and I'm not at all saying we, we need to follow those. And those are important. And God has protected the church through those qualifications. But 
when I'm with a group of guys and if I don't pretend that I have a hard time of where my eyes go, then I'm not going to ever relate to those guys. Mm-hmm. And I think it can be as simple as those kind of conversations. Yeah. It's interesting, too. You know, the the pastor at our church that I have the most respect for is the pastor that actually gets up on the pulpit occasionally and talks about how his wife and him had an argument that past weekend. Those are the people that yeah. people follow, and those are the yeah. people that are res- that are respected, I think. And I don't think that's a me thing. I think that's no, a that's, general thing. That's a general thing because there's an opening. There's an invitation there to be real. There's an yeah. invitation. Join me in this journey yeah. toward Christ. And so there there needs to be a lot of wisdom in dealing with this. If you are struggling with this, you know, go find somebody you can trust um, and ask for wisdom. Try to figure out the best way. Go to see a therapist. There's confidentiality there. Yeah. That's the best thing to do. You know, the therapist can guide you, especially a, a, a place like yours that, you know, is, is steeped in, in, in what God wants. Mm-hmm. Because it does take wisdom to work through this. You do have to be careful who you tell. You do have to be careful that you don't hurt people further. Yeah. You know, you don't hurt yourself more. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. I think it's important, too, to talk to people that aren't going to fuel the fire. Yeah. Yeah. Well... Tell me about Fuller Living because that's a place that a person can go and get help if they're struggling with this or if they know somebody in their life is, right? Yeah, so there's uh, 15 of us, and uh, what I really appreciate about our practice, especially right now, is that we have immediate, pretty immediate availability. We could get you in tomorrow if you called and that's pretty unheard of right now. It's hard to get into a place that won't schedule you out at least four weeks. And so to have that, like, yeah, we had got somebody that can meet with you tomorrow is is really great right now. Um, we have also in-office and telehealth um, appointments. And what I also really appreciate about our practice is that we're all really different from each other. So, um I mean, I'm thinking of one of our providers who actually has a experience and background in law, and then another one who's got experience and a background in flying airplanes. And that that personality difference brings also a different perspective, and I really appreciate those those differences and and different specialties too that we have. I just I really appreciate and love the people that I work with and. I know that they provide good services because I know that they're good people. So And they care about their clients. Yeah, genuinely do. So how do I get in touch with uh, Fuller Living? Um, so again, our phone number is 763-647-8188. Otherwise, we have a website. It's fullerlivingandassociates.com. Um, otherwise, we've got an email address. It's my first and last name, Amber Fuller at fullerlivingandassociates.com. Well, I think that's it. That's you a can lot. conveniently book online. You don't have to talk to anybody before you book, which is kind of nice. Yeah. Well, congratulations on that. And congratulations on working through all of this. And thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Yeah, thank and you. And all the wisdom that you've gotten. Appreciate it very much. Thank you. All right, Amber Fuller. And listen, here's the thing. I, what Amber would want you to know, what I want you to know, is there's hope. And her story is about hope. It's about redemption. And so that you're never in a place where God can't pull you out. Uh, in Job 10:12, um, there's this sweet little verse: "You have granted me life and steadfast love, and your care has preserved my spirit." And that's what God does. 
even when we feel like we've we've maybe dug a hole that we can never get out of, or maybe we feel like our spouse has hurt us in a way that we can never recover from, or maybe we feel like there's a behavior going on that I can never be broken of. Whatever the case may be, God is a God of steadfast love, and he will care for your spirit. He wants you just to tell him and come to him and seek help because he is a God of redemption. He is a God that can break these cycles, and he wants to do that in your life. So I want to give you that hope today. So thankful for our partners that help us do life support so we can talk about these very difficult issues. Not everybody does that, and I'm thankful that we can. Faith Radio has been wonderful. MyFaithRadio.com. You can also watch a video version of this podcast at FiveStoneMedia.com. We'd love to check you out at Ridgewood Church. We're trying to become that kind of an authentic church that invites you um, to share your stories and to um, go through trauma together and not on your own. So that's at MyRWC.org. Thanks again for being here on Life Support. We'll catch you next time. This is Steve Johnson again, Executive Director of Five Stone Media. And we've had the privilege of creating the Life Support Series and the Life Support Resource Library. The library includes tools and resources that can help you be equipped to come alongside others who are suffering and in pain. Among the tools included are therapist webinars and blogs, sermon starters and transitions, short videos, small group material, and conferences. You can find out more at this address, www.lifesupportresources.org. Again, that's lifesupportresources.org. And we would love to introduce you to this material. The Life Support Program is a co-production of Five Stone Media and Ridgewood Church in Minnetonka, Minnesota. Thanks for listening to this Life Support Podcast. These conversations are available because of listener support. You can make a gift now at MyFaithRadio.com. To avoid missing future editions of Life Support, subscribe to the podcast today at iTunes or your podcast player. And thanks for sharing this audio link with a friend and grow the impact of Life Support.